0: My life has uh, completely changed because of NCM. I, I have changed. <laughs> I am a new creature.
1: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. All right, great to have you here with us this morning. The video presentation that you just saw is uh, an effort to kind of introduce you to a mission event that we're going to have next Saturday night, which is September seventeenth, and that will be at six thirty. That's uh, an opportunity to meet with one of the delegates from the mission work in Rwanda. Uh, it's one of the mission works that we've supported for a number of years. And uh, they're doing something called Gushima, which means to stand in awe or in wonder at what God has done. So next Saturday evening, if you're uh, free, we'd love to have you come and have an opportunity to meet uh, with the folks from uh, Rwanda and uh, to enjoy just a really beautiful time getting to know the mission work that we are supporting here at the chapel. One of the other things that we are doing in a I guess this is about a month away, is the Carenet Center Banquet. My wife is involved with uh, collecting names of those that are going to participate in that event. It's a wonderful local ministry that uh, encourages the value of life and gives families a place where they can find the help and support they need in caring uh, for their children. So that, that banquet will be October 20th. You can see my wife at the table as you're leaving the service today. If you have trusted Christ and have never participated in a believer's baptism service, uh, there's a sign-up sheet out on the table that you can go to, sign up, and uh, we'll be planning a date for that service, preparing for the interview process, and uh, all the things related to that. It's always a beautiful time of celebration. If you're interested in participating in that, please let us know. And then the one other event we want to highlight is we have a newcomer's luncheon. So if you've been visiting at the chapel for somewhere in the realm of the last 12 months and would like to participate in a luncheon with the leadership team, that will be on Sunday, October 2nd. Okay. And then one other change for the teens, we announced that we were going to meet at our home tonight. Due to the weather, we're going to meet here at the church building tonight at 6 o'clock. So we'll be doing our activities, uh, testimony time, and then also uh, some uh, eating of pizza, okay? Which is perhaps undoubtedly the most important part of the night to certain people, okay? Uh, I want to read for you just a quick verse. And I want to ask you to stand with me, if you would, as we prepare our hearts for worship together this morning. Ephesians 3 verse 20 says now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we what we would ever ask or think glory and praise to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. I want you to think about that glory to him through Christ and this is the part that hits through Christ and the church. So the work that Christ has done in us to change our hearts makes us, in a sense, not equal to Christ. And please understand how I'm saying this. But that we are fulfilling the same role that Christ fulfilled in his ministry on earth. As a result of his redeeming grace in our lives, we can also give glory to God and praise him in a beautiful way together as we worship him corporately. So would you worship him and sing praises to him and give glory to him in the church and through Christ Jesus, our Lord, this morning. Father, as we join our hearts together, we are humbled that we as Christ can glorify you. Lord Jesus, we remember your words in the Garden of Gethsemane when you said, Father, not my will, yours be done. Glorify your name through me. Lord, that is our prayer this morning as the church, that as we sing praises to you, as we glory in you, as we honor and adore you, that you will find in us and through us the glory that you so rightly deserve, coming off of the lips of people who have been redeemed by your saving grace. So Lord, humble us as we sing and fill us with joy as we sing, that we are your children, and that we are people of hope because of what Christ has done. Help your church this morning to worship you. Full heartedly I pray. In Jesus name and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Let's worship him together.
2: we worship the god who evermore will be because he opened the prison doors he parted the raging sea my god he holds the victory the God who heals. We sing to the God who saves. We sing to the God who always makes a way. Cause he hung up on that cross then he rose up from that grave. My God. i Redeemed by His grace, let the house of the Lord sing praise. Yes, we praise You, Lord. We glorify You alone. Tomb, it was my tomb till I made you. I was reading, but not alive. I tried to hide my failure. Call my name You, you call, call my name. my soul thank you Lord and now your freedom and now your freedom is all that I know the old made new the old made new Jesus when I made you you called my name you called my name and I ran out of that We down into... i needed rescue i needed rescue my sin was heavy but chains break at the weight of your glory i needed shelter i was an orphan now you call me a citizen of heaven when i was broken you were my saving us, redeeming us, healing us. Give you praise, Lord.
0: you paid the debt i owe broke my chains freed my soul for the first time
2: love. Sing all the earth, all the earth will shout your praise, our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Go back and sing, and all the earth will shout your praise. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you. Yes, hear us this morning, God. Shout your praise! Our hearts will cry; these
3: bones will sing. praise are you?
2: Yes, God. This morning, that is our hearts cry. Um, our hearts, these lungs, these bones—they can't do anything else but praise you, God i'm sure there's some people here this morning lord (laughs) we're fighting it fighting praising you lord there's a a feeling inside them that is i want to praise i'm new to this I, i don't understand this but i don't know what these people are doing here singing in this room but there's something here that is true something that is real they are overjoyed these christians to praise you lord yes there is joy in the house of the lord today we won't be silent we have not been silent god you've heard our praises you've heard the prayers in our hearts You've heard the things in our hearts that we struggle with this morning as we worship, Lord. God, we ask this morning as we hear your scripture from Pastor James that it would be scripture, Lord, that is directly aimed at our problems, Lord, directly aimed at the issues. So may we not sit there and just listen, but may we process, may we put into action. And Lord, really only you can do that. So please, Lord, open our hearts, open our ears this morning as we hear your word. We thank you for this time of worship. May you continue to be glorified this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.
4: children, you could be dismissed for junior church. Uh, For the rest of us, would you turn in your Bibles with me to Isaiah chapter 41. Isaiah chapter 41. Um, On your uh, seat or near you, there are uh, these cards and What we're gonna be asking you to do is this, Pastor uh, Tim and myself over the next couple of weeks are going to be preaching from our favorite text or at least one of our favorite texts from scripture. And uh, we would love it as a leadership team if you would take the time to memorize those passages. Uh, Scripture memory is one of those things that has kind of unfortunately gone by the wayside and it is such an important thing, tool, in our lives to be able to take God's word into our minds, take it into our hearts, and to be able to apply it. And when you're in the midst of a trial or trouble, like we're going to talk about this morning from this passage, there are often times where you're not going to be able to open your Bible and flip to a passage of scripture. But the Holy Spirit can go through that mental filing cabinet of you that you have of those verses And perhaps uh, the verse that I share with you this morning would be one of the ones that you would um, use. Uh, So I'll be working through Isaiah chapter 41.10. And if you want to get a jump on Pastor Tim's message uh, next week, uh, Lord willing, it will be from Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. Uh, We encourage you if you have a dinner time. Just sit down at the dinner table and maybe go through this verse together, uh, memorize it together, uh, pray it together. We're going to talk about praying this, uh, these uh, promises as well. And as you go through the week, what I find when I try to memorize passages is if I think about it number one if i write it down and have it somewhere that i could pull out number two and then i use it with a bunch of people number three it really helps me to remember it so so not only at your dinner table um but maybe with some friends maybe family members maybe if you can at work in opportunities that you have to connect with people maybe sharing a verse like this will help now now one of the concerns with promise centered uh, sermons is that we can pull a promise out of its context and um, use it in a way that God has not ordained for us to have. I don't believe that we're going to do that with this one or what we will do next week. And these are passages that when you're in the midst of the most difficult times of your life, the trials in your life, God wants to give you precious promises. And today, I want to talk to you about a precious promise for those that are fearful, So let me read uh, a portion of Isaiah chapter 41, we'll pray, and then we'll spend some time kind of working through it. Isaiah chapter 41, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Uh, Here's the word of the Lord. Listen to me in silence, O coastlands. Let the people renew their strength. Let them approach, then let them speak. Let us gather together or draw together for judgment. Who stirred up one from the east whom victory meets at every step? He gives up nations before him so that he tramples kings underfoot. He makes them like dust with the sword, like driven stubble with his bow. He pursues them and passes on safely and by his feet have not trod. Who has performed and who has done this, calling the generations from the beginning, I, the Lord, the first, and with the last, I am he. The coastland have been seen and afraid, and the ends of the earth tremble. They have drawn near and come. Everyone helps his neighbor and says to his brother, be strong. And the craftsman strengthens the goldsmith, and he smooths with hammers him who strikes the animal saying of the smoldering, it is good. They strengthen it with nails so that it cannot be moved. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I've chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from the farthest corners, saying to you, you are my servants. I have chosen you and not cast you off. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Because of all who are incensed against you shall be put to shame and confounded. Those who strive against you shall be as nothing and shall perish. You shall seek those who contend with you, but you shall not find them. Those who war against you shall be as nothing to you at all. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not, for I am the one who helps you. This is God's sufficient, eternal, authoritative, life-giving, and life-changing word. Would you pray with me? So, Lord, this morning, as we have an opportunity to work through a portion of scripture here, I pray that you would open our ears to hear and open our hearts to to know you. And Father, I pray that we would not wrestle this promise outside of the context, but within the context written to your people thousands of years ago and applied in essence to us today, I pray that you would help us to do that. Help us to trust that same God who says that he is with his people. Help us to trust that same God that reminds us that you are our God. Remind us that of the great I wills, I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you by my righteous right hand. And I pray that you're going to be glorified in all we do in Jesus' name. Amen. 21 years ago, uh, I was driving to my office, and as I was driving to my office, uh, I'm driving down the road and I'm, I'm gonna be running late, so I reached out to the person I was working with, um, was gonna be seeing and counseling, and I said, um, I'm gonna be running late. So I let them know, and they actually made a joke, if I remember, that I guess I should charge you for being late, so I thought it was kind of funny. And I got to my office and I went to the door and the person was crying. It's like a little confusing as to what in the world happened between the joke, I mean, I was a little late, I wasn't that late, why are you crying? It's like, didn't you hear? It's like, no, I didn't hear. And they went on to tell me that a plane flew into a building in New York City. So we went into my office, and this is how old it is. You kids can't even recognize how old this is. I had this little TV that was about this big of a screen, and I had rabbit ears on the TV. And I sat there, and we watched on that little TV as the second plane hit the second tower. And we sat there for all of that meeting, and then my next person came in, and the three of us sat in the room, And we watched as the tower went down, towers went down. I can remember just feeling numb that day. I don't know if any of you that were alive, you probably felt the same. It was just a numbness that was there because it felt like just even the world was shaking. And then we hear about the Pentagon and we hear about a group. Well, we didn't learn the story, but we hear a plane going down in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. And, and it's just like it was such a beautiful day (laughs) and it was decimated at that time. And the fear, I can remember driving home. I got on the phone to Amy and I said, I'm just going to cancel the rest of my sessions. Uh, My office was in Verona, New Jersey at the time. And I was near, if anybody knows Eagle rock reservation. And so I drove up to Eagle Rock Reservation and you could look over and all there was was just billowing smoke, um, fire and smoke that you could see over in New York. I got in my car and I drove from Verona out here to Belvedere, New Jersey. And it just, I just felt this, I don't know, a shake, shock, and I was shaking. Um, And in the days and weeks to come, I, to be honest, every time I saw a flag I cried um I used to work right in uh, Jersey City, New Jersey, and I could look over at those towers every day from the hospital I worked in. Um, I ended up going into New York uh, and working there for years uh, in the rubble area, um, driving uh, fl- um, taking the commuter train into the World Trade Center and watching the rebuilding of it. That night, uh, at the church we were uh, part of that night, we had a worship service that night, and one of the men that should have been on that plane, on one of the planes, didn't go. He decided not to, and he would have been one of the people that had died. And over the years, I have counseled or met with tons of people that have some connection to somebody that passed away on 9-11. So it's small in comparison to what happened here to the people of Israel. Israel. The people of Israel didn't just have some planes fly into a building and lose a couple of thousand people. The people of Israel had rejected God's warning over and over and over and over again. And God was saying, you are going to go into bondage. You are going to suffer at my hands. And I'm going to bring foreign armies in to hit you and to hurt you and to hopefully bring you to your knees. We may be preaching through Isaiah somewhere down the road. But the first 39 chapters of Isaiah are really hard to hear. There are glimmers of light through Isaiah's first uh, 39 chapters. Uh, we hear about the coming savior in, in chapters. But for the most part chapters 1-39 through 39 are judgment and a warning to the people of God. And then Isaiah 40, which is my favorite Old Testament chapter, but I spent a lot of time about a couple of years ago um, preaching through this whole chapter, so I, I won't talk through that, I won't preach through that, but he begins chapter 40 with these words. He says, comfort, comfort my people, says the Lord, and we need comfort today. There are so many people that are struggling with fears and so many people that struggle with panic and so many people that struggle with anxiety and so many people that struggle with insecurity and stress. And maybe you're one of them and you just feel like the the foundations are shaking. It feels like everything is just so overwhelming. I can't breathe at times. The thoughts are just racing and, and maybe you feel that way at times. And God says, comfort, comfort my people says the god it's a it's an emphasized comfort he says comfort comfort he doesn't just say comfort my people he says comfort comfort my people because your intensity is big but god wants to give you comfort after comfort comfort my people and it's an exclusive comfort because that comfort comes from god to his people it's not just for everybody It's comfort, comfort, emphasize comfort, but it is an exclusive comfort for those that trust in God. And he says, speak tenderly to Jerusalem, chapter 40, verse 2, and cry to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity has been pardoned and that she has received from the Lord's hand double for her all her sins. What a beautiful passage. And then he goes into Isaiah 40, he talks about the fact that God is, is sovereign. He's the ultimate power. He's unsearchable in his riches. He is the ultimate authority. He is unique among all gods of this world. And he talks about the supremacy of God. Then he ends with a passage which, if anybody's ever been around my place, I, I love eagles. He says, even yous grow tired and weary. Even young men shall fall and be exalted. But those that wait for the Lord will what? They will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not, what? They will not faint. And so after that chapter 40, he goes right into Isaiah chapter 41. And he says that, you know, there is going to be one He describes himself as the authority again. He describes himself as sovereign. We see that in the first couple of verses. He describes himself as the one who knows, which is very interesting. He talks about a man that will rise up from the east, verse 2, who will have victories. That is Cyrus. We don't see his name here, but you will see it later on in the book. That is going to happen hundreds of years before Cyrus actually comes into the land. Because God is not only absolutely sovereign, but he is infinitely wise. But then he is perfectly loving. He talks here in verse um, 8. But you, Israel, my servants, Jacob, whom I have chosen, he chose us. The offspring of Abraham, my friend. You whom took from the earth... And called from the farthest corners, you are my servant, I have chosen you and not cast you off. Just before that, he talks about the world and how the world responds to fear. Now if you remember in 9-11, 21 years ago, right after that, churches were full. They were, right? First week, second week, third week it starts to dwindle. Fourth week, really dwindling. By the fifth week, we're back to our normal people in church. What people do in the midst of their fear is they turn to idols. And that's what this chapter is talking about, the futility of idols. That these false gods, these counterfeit gods that you turn to. Now, now people today will turn to possessions as their counterfeit god. They may turn to taking care of their bodies as though they're gonna live forever. I'm gonna make sure I exercise my body completely and that I'm gonna live forever, I won't. So possessions, uh, their bodies, relationships, they turn to all of these things rather than turning to the only one that will ever secure them, God. And what God wants to remind his people is because his people, not just the world, but what his people were doing was they were forgetting God in the midst of their fears. And what they were doing was they were elevating their fears rather than elevating God. So many of you struggle with fear. Many of you struggle with anxiety. Some of you struggle with phobias. Some of you struggle with panic attacks. All of us struggle with some type of relational fear. We fear failure. We feel rejection. We fear abandonment. Some of us are fearing dying because of a diagnosis that we may have. I'm not going to sing this hymn to you, but I want you to hear this hymn, and then we're going to kind of work through this passage in Isaiah 41 10. How firm a foundation, you saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in what? His excellent word. What more can he say than to you he has said, to you whom for refuge to Jesus have fled? And then the second verse comes right here from Isaiah 41:10. Fear not. I am with you, O oh, be not dismayed, for I am your God and I still give you aid. I will strengthen and help and cause thee to stand upheld by my righteous, omnipotent hand. Isaiah 43 is the next one. I'll read that and then we'll stop. When through deep waters I call thee to go, and the rivers of sorrows shall not overflow, for I will be with thee, thy troubles to bless, and sanctify to thee thy deepest distress. I lied. Keep going. When through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, my grace all-sufficient shall be thy supply. The flame shall not hurt thee. I only design thy dross to consume. And that gold to refine. I'm just going to finish it. The soul that on Jesus has leaned for repose, I will not, I will not desert to his foes. That soul that on all hell should endeavor to shake, I never, no never, no never forsake. I love the hymns. I love the songs we sang this morning, but I love those hymns as well because there is something rich about that one. And that um, jumps out to me. So let's look at Isaiah 41:10. Isaiah 41:10 is interesting because it has two commands, and then it is followed by two five precious promises. Let's start with the first command. What's the first command in the passage? Fear not. So, so God is calling us to recognize that we have tendencies towards fear, and He says, "Don't fear." Now, one of my friends will hit me with this, so I won't say this for certain, but someone once said that there were 365 times in Scripture that it says, fear not. Now, I haven't counted them all up. And the argument is that if there are 365 verses in Scripture that say, fear not, guess what? There's a verse for every day of the week. I don't know if that's true, but there's a lot of times in Scripture where God is saying to you, do not fear Why is that? Because we fear a lot. We fear quite a lot. Fear means to elevate something, to make something big in our lives. I want you to hear Matthew Henry. It's a little bit long, so stay with me. Matthew Henry had a commentary. He said this, the scope of these verses is to silence the fear and to encourage the faith. Of the servants of God in their distresses. Perhaps it is intended in the first place for the support of God's Israel in captivity, but all the faithful, serve, uh, faithfully serve God through patience and comfort of the Scriptures may have hope. That is a word of caution and counsel and comfort, which is so often repeated. Fear thou not, again, verse 18, 13. Fear not, verse 14, fear not thou worm, fear not thou threatening of the enemy, doubt not the promises of God, fear not those who are perishing in the affliction and the promises of thy deliverance. What Henry was getting at is this that in spite of the struggles, in spite of the terrorists, in spite of the traumas, in spite of the trials, that it is giving us counsel, it is giving us caution, and it is giving us comfort in the midst of this. And that's so important. So, fear not. So, God is saying to you stop fearing, don't panic. Don't get overwhelmed. Our tendency is that when we find ourselves elevating the struggle, we miss God. And what I want you to do is this. I need you to cast your vision above the fear to God. And as you do that, you will increase. Then he gives us a second command. What's the second command? Fear not is the first. The second is what? Be not dismayed. Be not dismayed. Uh, overwhelmed discouraged, frustrated, insecure, be not dismayed. Do not let discouragement grab you. To be dismayed means to be discouraged. Discouraged means it's this prevailing problem in our society today. It is a lack of courage and we lose courage in God. Be not discouraged. Remind yourself of the sovereign God. Be not discouraged. Remind yourself that God never panics. Be not discouraged because God loves you. Be not dismayed. So God gives us two commands. Fear not and be not dismayed. And then he gives you five promises. This is where I want you to settle today because it's not as much about what I can do, because I am a worm, I am insignificant, I can't do this on my own. God, I even, anything that I do, I am doing by your power and your grace. So I need to fear not, yes, God. I need to not be dismayed, yes, God, but I need to remind myself of who God is. First, he says, for I am with you. I want that to so saturate in your mind that there is never a time you will ever go through life that God is not perpetually present with you. In your darkest times, in your deepest sorrows, when it feels like you were completely alone, when everybody else seems like they have abandoned you and rejected you, God is with his children. He is everywhere present, but he is specially present with his children. That perpetual presence of God, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. God said through Hebrews that the Lord is my helper and I will not be afraid. The Lord is with you. I can remember the disciples in the boat and as the boat is being buffeted and they're panicking and Jesus is sleeping, he's like, don't you care about us? And he says, I'm here in the boat with you. I will not leave you. I am with you. Let the presence of God so comfort you in the midst of the great trials that you go through. I I used an an acrostic in my Sunday school class, and it was SOG, self-aware, other-aware, God-aware. And it's this acrostic that kind of reminds us about who we are, self-awareness, and other-awareness, thinking about other people. But the biggest piece that is the G, the God-awareness piece, that there is not a moment in your life that the sovereign God is not with you. Let that so captivate you. Let that so comfort you. Let that be Linus's blanket in your hand. Hold dearly to it, hold on to it. But not only does he says, I am with you, but then he says, I am what? Your God. If you're not opposed to writing your Bible, I circle that word, your. And the reason for it is this. He could have clearly said to you and to me, he could have clearly said, I am God. Don't fear. Don't be dismayed. I'm with you. I am God. He could have said that. But the almighty God, the sovereign creator of this universe said, I am your God. I know you. I have a personal relationship with you through my son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I know every hair that's on your head or lacking. I know every thought that you've had. I know everything that you've gone through. I know you. I am your God. That so captivates you. He's not this distant deity. He is a present God. Yes, I need to see him as transcendent, but I also need to see him as imminent. He's transcendent that he's above me and he's holy and unlike me, but he wants to be in a relationship with me. Let's just hope to activate you in the midst of your fears. If you're not, I am with you. He promises you his perpetual presence. Be not dismayed for I am your God. Your God, a personal God. Now, how does he become a personal God to us? Not just through creation. He becomes a personal God to you through the work of his precious son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this was written tons of years before the Lord Jesus Christ was going to come. And as Isaiah is looking forward to what Jesus is going to do, and we look back at what Jesus has done, this is all about Christ. And you become a child of God through the person and work of Christ. You humble yourself and recognize that it is my sin that separates me from him. And I desperately need your forgiveness. We will celebrate that at the communion table today. He shed his blood. His body was broken so that you can have faith in Christ. So that you can be brought into the family of God. He doesn't just become your God because you read his Bible. He doesn't just become your God because you put some money in the offering basket. He doesn't just become your God because you're sitting here in this service. He becomes your God when you trust in him and trust in the faith that he has given you and trust in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you are sitting here and you've heard sermon after sermon after sermon and you are continuing to struggle with fear in your life because you have never surrendered to Christ. And even those of us that have surrendered to Christ, I struggle with fear day after day. But when you are putting counterfeit gods in the place of the true God, they will always fail. Fear not, perpetual presence, I am with you. Be not dismayed, personal relationship, I am your God, I know you. And then these great three I wills, I love these I wills, Because any of us that struggle with fear, oftentimes struggle with weakness. We make something big in our lives, and we see that as so big, and I can't do anything about it, but God says, guess what? I am the all-powerful God. He says, I will strengthen you. The God that holds this world in his hands, the God that spoke this world into existence, the God that names the stars, the God that is in control of every molecule in this universe says, I'll give you power. Don't worry about the power. I'll give that to you. Sad to say, we turn to everything but his strengthening power and we feel more weak. His next promise, I will help you. See, not only is God going to be there with you, and not only is God promising you a personal relationship with him, and not only is he saying, I will strengthen you, I will support you, I will give you wondrous work and enabling grace, he says, I will help you. I love this passage in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Romans chapter 8 verse 26 he says this Romans 8:26 Likewise the Spirit helps us in our what weaknesses for we do not know what to pray as we ought but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words Perhaps you're even finding yourself, I don't even have the strength to be able to pray, and I don't even know what to pray. God says, I got that too. (laughs) I'm going to not only give you strength, but I'm going to even give you the words. And when the words sound like, guess what? I'm going to take those words through the Holy Spirit. I'm going to bring them to his prayer request before my son here and before my throne. What an amazing thing God says. I'm going to strengthen you, and I will help you. I will support you. I will give you strength. No matter what the struggle is, no matter what the difficulty is, whether your need is physical, whether your need is is financial, whether your need is relational, God will supply. Now, he may not supply with health, wealth, and prosperity like the world says, but he will supply you what you need for the journey that he intends you to be on. Fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed, I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you. And I love this one. I will uphold you by my righteous right hand. Absolute safety, now and for eternity. Today could be my last day on this earth and I will not spend a moment outside of God's plan for my life. And so why? Because God is keeping me safe here and he's keeping me safe to eternity in heaven. Peter talked about that in 1 Peter. He says that there's an inheritance waiting for you. And he said that not only is he keeping the inheritance for you in heaven, but he is keeping you to get to that inheritance. That's exactly what, what Isaiah is saying here, what God is saying through Isaiah. That I want you to know that you can hide in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you. Fear not, I am with you, and I will keep you. What would happen if your week became a week where you focused on, I'm going to stop fearing, and I'm going to give up this dismay, and I'm going to meditate on the fact that I've got a perpetually present God, a God who is in a personal relationship with me, a God who is all-powerful, who will provide for me, and will preserve me by his grace? What problem would ever come up against that kind of God? Not a one. So today I want you to think about um, what becomes big in your life. I take passages like this and I pray them. I'm gonna do that here in a moment. I meditate on passages, I memorize those passages, and I pray those passages back to God. What's the reason for it? Uh, because God says that he is a God who will um, answer. And it's a promise he's given. And so in Second Timothy, it tells us that he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Now, if you struggle with fear, and many of us do, some people will question whether that means I have no faith in God. I, I don't think that's the issue. I think we get distracted And and when we get distracted, we find ourselves looking at the circumstances more than we look to God. Just remind yourself of who God is. Remind yourself of the uh, absolutely sovereign, infinitely wise, perfectly loving God. Focus on those five precious promises and let them be a comfort and support to you today. I'll end with this. The disciples saw the storm and Jesus calmed the storm. They saw a tomb and Jesus raised a dead person. Even as he is being betrayed, Jesus, a man cut off a mouth, ear and Jesus healed it. As he's being beaten and he's being crucified, the Lord Jesus Christ made his father big in his mind and he made others big. He says that I am doing this and I am, I am offering this to you. He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He looks at his mom there and he says, Mom, here's your son. And he says, Son, here's your mom. He looks at a guy who was cursing him just hours before and he says, Verily, verily, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And then Jesus says, I finished my course. I have kept the faith. The reason why I can fear not, the reason why I don't have to be dismayed is not just because of promise on a page of scripture, but it is because that promise was fulfilled in the person and work of Christ. So he took my punishment and yours if you trust in him. He rose victoriously so that we can stand in him. So fear not. I am with you. Do not be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you. By my righteous right hand. Would you pray with me? So Lord, as we, as we look at this promise, remind us the promise of your faithfulness to us. Father, regardless of the difficulties and the struggles, Father, remind us that you have decidedly said to us, do not fear. And Father... Whether it's a past attack on our country or future things that we will have to endure, or present struggles that we're having, all of us are tempted to fear. All of us are tempted to stress. All of us are tempted to discouragement. When the temptation comes, as your son did, help us to turn to your word. And help us to be wise even there because he, Satan will take your word and twist it. Help us to take your word and apply it. And in that word, Father, I pray that you would help us to see you as big. And the problems of our lives as small. Help us to see your son in all his glory. Help us to be filled by the power of your spirit. Help us to honor you. And help us to know that no matter what the struggle is, absent from this body, we're present with you for all of eternity. Where there is perfect peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen This morning we have this uh, this awesome privilege not only to sing of God and to hear of God, but we have this awesome privilege to take the lord 's table, the communion table here. The communion table is this ordinance that was given in the New Testament, and as it was given in the New Testament, what it was was this giving of bread and wine. We use juice here, and what it was doing was it was. Showing forth the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, the the juice that you will take will be symbolic of his blood. The wafer that you take will be symbolic of his broken body for you. It's it's spiritual nourishment, it's food but it's, it's food for us, but it's spiritual nourishment because as you take it, it causes you to meditate again on what Christ has done for us. I pray that as you take this communion table this morning, I pray that you would grow in grace. I pray that as you take this communion table together with other brothers and believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that you would feel communion with one another as we feel communion with God. And as we take this table together, I pray that we would hear not only of the mutual love that God has for us as his children, but I pray that you would feel a mutual love for one another as we eat together and fellowship together. What we do here at the chapel is this. Our, um, we have one cup, or I should say there are two cups and they separate. There's a wafer in the bottom and there's a cup of juice that is there. The leaders are going to come here in a moment, actually. Why don't we have you come down now, and I'll pray over the table. Um, They will hand out the elements to you. Um, Hold them in your hand, and then one of the pastors is going to come up and pray us through each of them. As you do that, and as you take this cup, I want you to take some time to think about Christ, and think about the cross, and think about what he has done for you, and to praise him, praise him, praise him. Now, if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to ask you to let this pass by, but find one of us afterwards, because we want to talk to you about what it means to be a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's pray here. Lord, as I hold this cup in my hands and I hold this wafer in my hands, we believe that your son was crucified once for sin. This is not his re-crucifixion. We're just symbolizing it. But when we symbolize it, Father, this is not something that should be taken lightly. Help us to be amazed at what Christ has done. The fears of the world that are around us, the fears that are happening within us, help them to be pushed aside by the beauty of your Son, the wonder of his work, and the wonder of his grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
5: Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
2: To join me in singing our closing song christ the shore and steady anchor in the fury of the storm when the winds of doubt blow through me and my sails have all been torn in the suffering in the sorrow When my sinking hopes are few, I will hold fast to the anchor. It shall never be removed. Christ the shore. Christ the shore and steady anchor, while the town rages on when temptation claims the battle and it seems the night is won deeper still then goes the anchor though I justly stand accused I will hold fast to the anchor it shall never be removed Christ the shore and steady anchor through the floods of unbelief hopeless somehow. Oh my soul, now lift your eyes to Calvary. This my palace of assurance See his love forever prove I will hold fast to the anchor It shall never be removed Christ the assurance As we face the wave of death When these trials give way to glory As we draw our final breath We will cross that great horizon Clouds behind and life secure And the calm will be the better for the storms that we endure Christ the shore of our salvation ever faithful ever true we will hold fast to the anchor it shall never be Thank you, Lord, this morning. That is true. You died once for our sins, once for all. And Lord, we live in light of that. We can trust you. We can look to you. We can set aside our unbelief that you are not bigger than the storms you face in our life, but you are. Of course you are. Lord, whatever it is in our hearts that's causing us doubt and fear, Lord, may we look to your word and know that you uphold us by your righteous right hand. We are not out of your vision. We are not hidden from you, Lord. You see us, you know us, and you love us, God. We thank you for your son dying for us and that Christ is our sure and steady anchor. God, this morning as we have heard your word and sung your praises, Lord, our hearts have glorified you. They've honored you. May our weeks do the same. God, be with us as we go from this place. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.